Percy, in your experience, what is the greatest thing we can do or give to a cancer patient? Wayne, it's very simple. People, and particularly cancer patients, need to be unconditionally connected and supported with their humanity. Hmm. There is no population who needs and requires this more than the cancer community. Let's further discuss the need and high calling from God to do just that. We will. Our own Pastor P will share with us why he loves to support cancer patients and what cancer forces people to consider. The following program is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America, part of City of Hope, a National Cancer Institute-designated comprehensive cancer center. Information discussed during this program is not medical advice. Be sure to talk to your medical doctor for information and advice relating to your health. I welcome you to Health, Hope, and Inspiration. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Our host, of course, is Reverend Percy McRae, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, now part of City of Hope. And Percy, I'm so glad to see you today. This is going to be a great conversation. I can just feel it. It is. I'm going to delve into some things I've never talked about before, but I'm often asked about in terms of loving cancer patients. And we're going to really dig into some important things that everyone should at least be mindful of when supporting cancer patients. You are the guest. You are the host. You're everything on the program here today, Percy. So we're going to have a great conversation. All right. Before we do, though, I do want to pose this week's question to listeners. And we do this every week because these are so helpful to everyone who uh, who supports this program because we all benefit from hearing from each other. So what are you, what are you asking the listeners to respond to this week? Yeah, indeed. The benefit is enormous, and we look forward to the responses. And so today's question that we want to pose to our audience is this. Have you ever struggled connecting with people who have cancer and why? Have you ever struggled connecting with people who have cancer and why? We want to hear your answers and responses. You can go to the website and you can hit the connect button and it'll drop down and then you can provide your answer to have you ever struggled connecting with people who have cancer and why. Thank you for doing that. Go to that website, healthhopeatinspiration.com and click on connect to answer the question this week. Now, we can't share all the responses we get to each question we pose uh, mm-hmm. on any given week, but we can share one or two. And here's one that came into a question we asked recently. How did a cancer diagnosis impact how you define yourself? Well, a listener in Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin, responded and said this, and this is so meaningful. When initially diagnosed with late-stage prostate cancer, my sense of masculinity was challenged on every level imaginable. Both my wife and I sought and received a lot of difficult counseling, mental and spiritual, with lots of love, patience, and realignment of thought about my personage through God and not my sexual organ or performance. With time, I was able to see myself as God sees me. I know better now and believe that there is nothing that can separate me from the love of God and my precious wife. This is a real struggle for uh, for men who go through this, isn't it? And yet this is a real dynamic in the real world. I've had this conversation a million times with many men behind closed doors. And so with that, thank God for this particular uh, male who understood and received the necessary support and care 
to help him work through and navigate through those challenges and to have this type of prayer request uh, or, or praise report, I should say. And so, again, being uh, uh, encouraged to understand that, as we've talked about on this show before, uh, we do not want to allow cancer to define us in any way, but we are only and should only be defined by what God has said to us and about us. But we may need a little help in getting to that place, sure. and that's exactly what was articulated here. Yeah. Thank you so much from Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. Well, I think also our free resource can help in this regard, too, how to face cancer with boldness. So mm. check that out at Health. Hope and inspiration.com. Download it, use it, read it, share it with others. How to face cancer with boldness. All right, would you like to preface our conversation to come with a with a scripture passage? Absolutely. So um our spiritual nugget or the foundation that we want to build this thought around from uh, God's Word is located in John's Gospel, the 13th chapter, verses 34 and 35, and it reads as follows: A new commandment, Jesus says, I give you that you love one another as just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Verse 35, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And I picked this particular scripture because there's a lot of love scriptures, obviously, that we could pick for. So God loved the world, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the greatest commandment is to love your, you know, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Uh, is because of the fact that uh, for me, and this is going to be part of kind of a insight to my heart and my motivation for the work that I do, Wayne, is what actually drives me to do this. And continually for the last now, uh, by the time this is aired, it'll be my 26th anniversary in the cancer community. Uh, It's not that I love cancer. You know, it's not that cancer excites me or anything like that. But then then I had to really dig deep and kind of come to terms with what, what really... Uh, pushes my button, if you will, that that energizes me with doing this work. And it's really being able to love people on a level that is unfettered and, and, and open and real, because this is where cancer patients ultimately find themselves. And they need people to love them in that place and in that space. And of course, this is what the scripture is telling us we should all do, really. Yeah, that's so meaningful. It really is. Thank you, Percy. I have a very important question I want to ask you. But before I do, if you listening, you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America, part of City of Hope, a National Cancer Institute designated comprehensive cancer center and a national oncology network of hospitals and outpatient care centers. They treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. There are hospitals in Atlanta and Chicago and Phoenix, and they take an integrative approach to cancer care. They use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease while helping patients manage side effects and maintain their quality of life by using evidence-informed therapies like nutrition and naturopathic support, along with pastoral care, pain management, and other supportive care services. Treatments are tailored for each patient's specific needs. Visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com and click on Sponsor to learn more about Cancer Treatment Centers of America, part of City of Hope, or contact a member of their team with questions you may have about your treatment options by simply calling 866-712-HOPE, 866-712-4673. Cancer Treatment Centers of America, part of City of Hope, uses a patient-centered approach and a wide range of technologies and techniques to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. 
Well, Percy, let's talk about the issue today. Um, you have been in the cancer community for those 26 years you mentioned, and now yourself a cancer survivor going on three years, if I recall right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I As know August 22nd. Is that this right? Year. Okay. All yeah, right. Well, yeah. I know you truly love your work and you love supporting cancer patients. What is it about cancer patients that you love so much? And again, I alluded to it, you know, in the opening, Wayne, and I want to really elaborate and dig into this because it's really kind of a, it's a testimonial as well, as well as just kind of being a little transparent about what, what, what causes me to be energized to do this and not get burned out on the topic or the subject. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've been asked a million times, Wayne, I mean, I cannot tell you how many conversations of shock that I've had with people that was like, I can't believe you do this and why would you do this? Uh, who does that for a living? Who makes that decision? Uh, and you know, and how am I so passionate about this this conversation that I hold uh, with uh, in the community with patients and et cetera? And you know, I can really sum this up basically in one word and that is authenticity. Okay. Authenticity, and I know it doesn't seem uh, like a lot, but let me elaborate it just for a second in, in terms of what that means. Um, you know, the truth is cancer reveals who people really are. Yeah. It really reveals who people really are. And when we understand that, uh, and then you get to see people's authentic self. Uh, there's no facades. There's no pretense. You know, no one's trying to impress anyone. People are typically struggling and trying to come to terms with, and they're brought to, and I want to use a term that, again, one of our dear friends, Jerry Rose, uh, has stated many times, they're brought to their bedrock of who they are. All of this other stuff is taken away. Your money, uh, whatever your position in life is, et cetera, et cetera. You're reduced to the basic who you are in real life in real time at that point. Got it. And so with that... Uh, just real people uh, needing real love that is not transactional. Hmm. I think about, and I don't know how many people, because I've started to really pay attention to how many relationships we have and how much of our engagement is transactional with yeah. people. We do it because we want something in return. And when you really get honest and get, you know, as as they say in the urban community, when you keep it 100, when you, when you really get real about... Hmm. What you do and what many people do in return to what you do, in many cases, in most cases, it is transactional. And nothing in the Word of God, and particularly in the New Testament and who Jesus was, was about what he could get. It was about what he could give. (laughs) And his giving was always generated at giving to people in their in in their most vulnerable times of need in real places that if you go through the scriptures many other people walked by ignored did did not have time for because there was nothing that they could get out of that transaction or that engagement and so uh and then the other element that I want to highlight is uh that um I'm at my very best and I've I've had to come to terms with this and this and and living like this and particularly growing up like this was very difficult because it, it had it took me a while to really understand hmm. what I'm really all about. But at my very best at the end of the day, I am at my very best when I can connect with people's authentic sense of self authentically. That's how God gifted you. That is absolutely correct. And and initially before I understood my calling, and certainly where do you exercise that? 
uh, I was a lost kid, man, because I didn't fit in into most of the social dynamics and interactions because they were all transactional. Mm-hmm. And I'm just out here trying to be like this real dude, <laughs> trying to connect with people really where they were located. But then you had to work through well, my reputation, my image, what kind of car I drive, <laughs> you know, what kind of shoes I have. So you can't get to the bedrock of who another human being is until something forces them to cut through all of that and let you see who they really are underneath that. Boy. That's why I love supporting cancer patients. That is really rich. It really is. And that's how God has made you. We're all made a little differently, but I'm so thankful that you are who you are and doing what you're doing. It's it's amazing to see a person's calling and gifting kind of just blend together, right? And that's what's happening in your life. Now, <laughs> it's let, true. Let, let's dig a little deeper, though. Let, yeah. Let's talk about this matter of authenticity. You, you've identified what you have listed as five authenticities. So can we talk about those? We can. So after a lot of prayer with, with this uh, and, and digging into myself, like, Lord, what, what's the real dynamic with me? What drives me? What motivates me? And again, as I've articulated, is, is being able to deal with authenticity of people and being authentic and being able to do so. Then the my my meditation went into what are the the dynamics that cancer patients are forced to be authentic about. They may enter into the cancer environment into the clinical space uh, one way, but by virtue of the challenges and and the 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 dynamics of being a cancer patient and working through a cancer journey. They have to take some trips through some processes that they may not have been conscious or cognizant of, but there are five things that I have found to be consistent with interacting with cancer patients. Number one, first, uh, authenticity that I think that people are forced to address or become from a cancer perspective is being vulnerable. Oh, yes. Cancer forces one to be vulnerable. I have met some of the most um, empowered uh, individuals, I have had the privilege of supporting uh, uh, athletes, politicians, uh, people of wealth and means. Uh, I've been on uh, private planes. I've been on ranches and resorts ministering to people who had become very vulnerable and were needing and looking for assistance. And so when we talk about vulnerable, one must come to terms with first their mental, emotional, and physical limitations. Cancer forces people to have to consider where they're limited uh, with regard to anything that they normally could do uh, in and of itself previously that now uh, in order to access help, they have to find strength and help outside of themselves, outside of their wealth, outside of their fame, outside of their reputation, They've got to pull upon something else that those things can't give them by themselves. And that makes them very vulnerable when you sit and think about it. Yeah. And not to do so leads to depression, doesn't it? Absolutely. At the end of the day, because what happens is as and I can say this today, many years later, when I had the opportunity to sit face to face with uh, one Walter Payton, I remember like it was yesterday. Mm. The thing that I walked away from his bedside was he said the thing uh, that I can't figure out and get over is as a world-class athlete, I cannot will my body Hmm. to do what I once could do on a football field. I can't make that happen right now. That's vulnerability. And that that is depressing me. And Hmm. he said that to me. 
And I remember, first of all, what a privilege it would be and it was to be able to have someone of that stature sit and honestly admit that. And now you have an opportunity to react and respond to that in helping that individual. So with that, Wayne, you know, the scripture that helps us with this is 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. And it says that, and this is the Apostle Paul talking, listen to his vulnerable state. He says that after he had gone to God on three occasions about a, a thorn in his flesh, as he would describe it, something that was prohibiting and inhibiting him uh, to move without uh, stress, anxiety, or difficulty in his ministry, he said that this is what God said to him. He said that my grace is sufficient for you, Paul, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses or being vulnerable so that Christ's power may rest upon me. So here's a tip. In our weaknesses, when I am weak, the Bible says, then am I strong. <laughs> it's one of those paradoxes that we find in the, in the Bible. That's correct. So we get to exchange what we don't have for what God does have. So now God is able to do something in our behalf, on our behalf that we can't do on our own, but we've got to get to a place where we're vulnerable first, where we're thinking that we can control this situation, going back to the Walter Payton statement, that what is depressing me, to your point, is the fact that I cannot will my body to do what it used to do on a football field. Well, that's a place now where we've got to say, as an example, Lord, I have to put this in your hands yes. now because I don't have the ability to do what I once could do against a 300-pound lineman on a football field. But today, I need your strength. So in my weakness, am I strong, the Apostle Paul said. And I love being able to connect with people when they come to terms with being vulnerable. And there is no strings attached to that dialogue. You are seeing who that person really is. And that's fantastic. All right. That's the first authenticity, being vulnerable. What's the second? Uh, cancer forces people to be reflective. Hmm. When a person is told, and I know this firsthand, when you're told that you have cancer, your brain automatically begins to start reflecting, thinking, considering reviewing, if you will. And so one will need to take stock or inventory of who they are, who they have been, and possibly address, correct, or close unresolved issues. I'm going to give you a tremendous example. I've never shared this before. And this can happen with, uh, with your personage as an individual, uh, with your parents, uh, your spouse, family, or friends. I was supporting a cancer patient uh, one time, lovely lady uh, from uh, a southern uh, city in the United States of America, and we had really connected. And she would look forward to me coming to her bedside and praying with her and talking with her. And um, so she uh, had gotten better and had gone through a pretty rigorous process, and then she was transferred to go home. After about, about 30 days or 40 days being in the hospital, she had a really, really tough uh, process that she had to work through. Hmm. And so as she's being discharged, her husband, who would be with her every day, uh, I, he wasn't very communicative. He was kind of the strong, silent type, you know, and he just kind of sat in the corner. And uh, as they were uh, being discharged, he asked if he could step outside and have a conversation with me one-on-one. -on -one. And this was a day, uh, Wayne, that shook me to my core. It, mm -hmm. it helped me to understand the power mm -hmm. of the ministry that God has entrusted me with. Mm -hmm. 
And he said, you know, Reverend McCray, I have to make a confession to you today. He said, uh, my wife is 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 on the upside of her process. But when she came here, she was in pretty bad shape and she was struggling. And I really didn't know what to do. He said, but what was clear and obvious is that you and she had a real connection with each other and it mattered to her and it impacted her. And he said, I need to confess to you that I was jealous of you. And I did not appreciate the relationship that you had with my wife. And here's the shocker. And I need everybody to buckle up. But, you know, we're going to have a real conversation today. He said, and it was because you were an African-American and mm. part of the country I came from. You know, we didn't really have a lot of relationship with, you know, people of color and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm kind of an old school farmer and blah, 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 blah. And I'll let you fill in the gaps. And and initially, Wayne, it 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 it, it shook me. It really did. Of course. But I put I put my poker face on, and, and then he hugged me with tears in his eyes, oh, and he oh, said, "I want you to forgive me uh, for the racist views that I had that had nothing to do with your personage." And he said, "And as a result of your ministry that mattered to my wife when she was vulnerable." You connected with her, and that made a difference for her. And ultimately, that made a difference for us. Thank you for helping me address an issue uh, in my heart that that needed to be addressed. And that has made me become reflective. What a moment. It was powerful. My goodness, wow. I literally had shrills that went through my body. I didn't know what to say or do, and I just hugged them, and we both (laughs) wept together. And they thanked me as, as he left. So the scripture that helps us, Ephesians 4, 25 and 28 with this is this. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. Wow but must work doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. The last part of that story I will simply say is that those individuals went back to their local small town in in rural south, uh, southern United States, and they started a cancer care uh, counter group that supported cancer patients. And the Lord reminded me, he said, I need you to stand in the gap and be in the trenches because you can and will make a difference with those that, that are vulnerable, and you will help people to become reflective and you will be a bridge into the love of God when you do that for me. I can't thank you enough for sharing that account, uh, Percy. That That is, it really softens our spirit, doesn't it? I mean, it teaches us how we need to react and be vulnerable and reflective, regardless of the circumstances of our life. We don't have to wait for cancer to come. That's right. To, to realize how to be authentic. Okay, so yeah. we've talked about vulnerability and being reflective. What's another authenticity? All right. Another one is being transparent. Cancer forces you to be transparent. You're you're at some point in this process, you're going to have to be transparent with what's going on with you, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, and et cetera. So all facades and veneers uh, must be removed or eventually will be removed or dismantled to get to the core of the essence of one's being. And what I love about can because all I ever wanted to do, Wayne, see, here's the crazy part about it. <laughs> All I ever wanted to do was just connect with people where they really were located. It didn't bother me 
that, you know, you had an issue with this or you were struggling with that. I was just always that kid that was like, I just want to be your friend and love you. And, you know, and and I there there are some prices that I pay for that in my youth, but but they were well worth it because they prepared me for the ministry that God called me for. And so with that, uh, being able to connect with people uh, when they are forced to step outside of whatever uh, title, you know, whatever dynamic that is given them as prop them up in who they are and what people and how people view them. I was on a, a, a private plane, a PJ, as they call it one time with a very wealthy man. <laughs> and he flew me to his ranch uh, to do some things uh, and actually to preach and teach is what he did uh, on his private ranch. <laughs> and uh, he wept on my shoulders uh, uh, and, and basically, again, expressed some regrets and some things that, you know, he, he, he wished that he could have done differently and that he, he just needed to have a place where he could just be open and transparent and not judged by anyone. Yeah. And he felt like I was that guy. And, you know, I'm sitting here going again, like, I don't know how I got here. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out. I'm just a kid off the south side of Chicago. Who, me? I'm like, yeah, like what? Can, can anything good come from the south side of Chicago? Yes, of course it can. No, that's what they said about Jesus. Can anything good come from Bethlehem, uh, from Nazareth? Nazareth? Yeah, it can. Yeah. And so with that, uh, being able to be in place because cancer will force people at some point that they will have to be transparent, that they'll have to let you see some things. Uh, and, and the issue is, can they find an environment that they feel comfortable and safe in to do so? Our scriptures tell us, Psalms uh, 139, 23, and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Because, see, when you be transparent, see, you got you to gotta open up. That's right. And see if there are any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. How many people, Wayne, have I had to... Uh, I've had, I shouldn't say I have had to, I had the privilege to hold their hand and listen to bedside confessions mm. of, of all sorts of things, of things that I wish that I had done differently. Uh, I had a gentleman um, who was a part of a very famous motorcycle, historic motorcycle gang and came to our facility and came to our Wednesday worship services and uh, accepted God at one of our worship services in a hospital receiving cancer. Let's just, we could just stop right there. <laughs> right, yeah. And so every week when he was there, he'd stand up and tell his testimony about all of the things he did, the riotous life that he lived when he was on the road. And one of the things that he had huge uh, regret about is that he had three sons that he had abandoned on the road oh. and that he would ask me to pray for him that I'm trying to reach out to my sons and they won't respond back to me. Reverend McCray, if God doesn't do anything else for me, I want to be reconnected to my sons. And so through a period of time, about six months, uh, two of his sons responded, but the, his youngest son would not. And they forgave him. And he said, Reverend McCray, I need my youngest son to at least give me an opportunity to tell him I'm sorry. Oh, boy. And if God doesn't do anything else for me, I want to get healed. I want to be well. But that's I got to have that done for me. And so he comes back and he says, you're not going to believe it. But my youngest son reached out. He uh, heard me. He forgave me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I've been restored back to my three sons. And, and I'm feeling great and life is good. Beautiful. And a month later, he died. Oh. Huh. Now, I want everyone to hear me well. He was transparent. He was vulnerable. Yeah. 
Uh, he was reflective. And then he allowed someone else to access that private space. And though he did not, quote unquote, beat his cancer, I would say that the biggest healing that he experienced did take place. And that true. was being restored back to his family. Very true. And he did not lose. He won. And because we now know he's on the other side of glory and he's in paradise and he's not struggling with sickness and disease any longer. But he was able to bring that part of his life and have closure because he was able to be vulnerable, reflective, and then transparent. Wow. And there is more we're going to talk about. We're going to extend our conversation today. This is so important. This is so instructive and so helpful to us, regardless of where we are in life and regardless of our circumstances, that we all need to hear these lessons. So so we'll get back to Percy's list of these uh, authenticities here in just a moment. But let me remind you that if you or someone you love is fighting cancer, I hope you'll consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America, part of City of Hope, a National Cancer Institute-designated comprehensive cancer center. They treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com and click on Sponsor to learn more about Cancer Treatment Centers of America with City of Hope or contact a member of their team with questions you may have. The number 866-712-HOPE, 866-712-4673. Cancer Treatment Centers of America is part of City of Hope, and it uses a patient-centered approach and a wide range of technologies and techniques to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Well, I tell you, we're getting a great dose of inspiration today from our very own Pastor P. Percy McRae here as we talk about why he loves living with and serving the cancer community. Um, and Percy, it's been so helpful to hear about these authenticities. We need to be vulnerable. We need to be reflective. We need to be transparent. But there's more that we need to be. So let's talk about it. Answer now forces in our list here individuals to love differently. To love differently. When we read all of the love scriptures in the Bible, that is typically not the love that we experience from interactions with people in the earth outside of trying to live under the guidelines of the instructions of the word of God. Hmm. So there's a lot of different ways that people love each other. But, but when you are told that you have cancer and particularly when you get to a place of really challenges and difficulties with cancer, you have to start loving differently. And so with that superficial love for and from others superficial love for and from others cannot bear up under the weight and the stress nope. of cancer. No, it can't. Marriages, family, friendships, etc. And again, just a couple of antidotal reflections. I can recall the day as, it, as if it was yesterday, two separate scenarios when a 35-year-old a man came into my office and who had advanced prostate cancer, uh, he was experiencing erectile dysfunction and leakage. He was wearing a diaper at the time when he spoke with me and wept in my arms because his young wife walked off and left him. Mm -hmm. She said that she didn't sign up for this, that this is not what I signed up for. And we can debate, uh, did she love him? Did she not love him? But the way that I'd like to make this distinction is 
that you have to love differently. Yeah. Cancer is going to force you love people differently, either yourself and others or how uh, uh, that you react to certain things. You're going to love very differently because cancer is going to reduce you in many yep. cases to the core of who you are. It's going to take away all those superficialities, isn't it? <laughs> That's right. And then it stops being transactional. See, mm -hmm. here we go again mm -hmm. with that definition. And then the flip side, I remember as if it was yesterday, young one, uh, mother, probably 38, 40 years of age. She was wearing a halo because she had uh, cancer in her vertebrae and her okay. neck. A halo is a brace, hold, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. She could not hold up her own, uh, she did not have enough strength in her neck to hold her head up. So she was wearing what they call in the medical community a brace that has a metal uh, cylinder around her forehead and rods that come down into a shoulder uh, harness mm. that helps to keep her head held up and aligned. And she had taken her children to Disney World on one of her weekend breaks. And she received a letter, registered letter from her then husband while at the hospital oh. and said that when you come home, I will not be oh, here no. because I cannot handle this. Hmm. Now, I don't want to make this a referendum about either of the spouses. That's another show for another day. Yeah. But the point here is, is that cancer is going to force you to love differently. I would suggest to you that that was not the God kind of love, if I could use that expression, or the type of biblical love that we just read. And so when we understand that superficial love, I'm going to read it again, for and from others cannot bear up underneath the weight and stress of cancer. And so with that, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 8 tells us, love is patient. We know this scripture, Wayne. Everybody knows this scripture and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all, all things, love never ends. Let me tell you, when I was told that I had cancer, the first thing my wife looked me dead in the eye, she was like, listen, I love you now, I loved you then, and I love you forever. So whatever <laughs> happens here, it's me and you, buddy. And she said, you can't get rid of me. <laughs> That's beautiful. So cancer will force you to evaluate how you love and it will force you, if your love is superficial, if it's transactional, it'll put some pressure and a demand upon you to love differently and make an adjustment, or it will cause people to jettison and recoil and walk away from that engagement. But when we get down to the, the brass tacks of truly loving the way God loves, now we are talking about being authentic. Boy, that is rich. It really is, Percy. All right. Well, there's a fifth authenticity that you must talk about. Yep. And, and, and again, yes, this show is called Health, Hope, and Inspiration. And I'm that dude at the end of the day. I'm the cancer pastor. And I take pride <laughs> in saying that. Because I remember the day, Wayne, when there was nobody that wanted to do this. It wasn't glamorous. It was like, this is hard. And, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I wear that title with pride. Pastor P, cancer pastor. That's who I am at the end of the day. Uh, but we have to help people and, and come to terms with and be available to support people when the fifth authenticity kicks in. And that is cancer forces people to consider their mortality. Yep, we're all going to die, aren't we? Cancer forces you to have that thought 
and in many cases to have that conversation. And biblically, it's a good conversation to have because we read the end of the book, did we not? <laughs> and we know at the end of this life and at the end of this journey, we win, praise yep. God. Yep. That that if we today were to take our last breath, that there is something far better on the other side of glory that the Bible tells us about. And so with that, one must accept that their life has a conclusion at some point, and it may or may not end as a result of a cancer battle. But the fact that you were forced to think about it is a good thing because when we are healthy and well, Wayne, we think we're going to live forever. Mm -hmm. We don't really think about dying or death. We don't consider it. It's not on our radar. But how many people, how many stories of inspiration, how many movies have we seen of people who then transitioned into this thought, who went and did amazing things because they were like, I'm going to make whatever time I do have left that I don't have control over. I'm going to make it matter. I'm going to shift some gears. I'm going to do some things differently. I'm going to become a better person. I'm going to go back and deal with some issues because at the end of the day, I don't want to leave any work undone. Find new missions, new purposes in life. And so James 4, 13, verses 14 and 13 says this, Come now, ye that say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a city, and continue there a year and buy and sell and get again. Verse 14, whereas you know what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? Listen to the word of God today, beloved. What is your life? It is even a vapor that appeared for a little time and then vanishes away. How true. Allow me the opportunity to just dig into one other point. At the time of this recording, and I know that this is near and dear to your heart, Wayne, we have brothers and friends and family that are suffering in another part of the yeah. country right now. Another part of the, the world. world. Yes, uh -huh. Ukraine, yes. As a result of what many people consider to be a, an unnecessary act of violence and war against people who are, who are friendly, who are in many cases are God-fearing and who simply want to have their independence. We just don't understand. And in, yeah. And in some cases, those people have lost their lives. Some pastors, uh, some leaders, individual children and women. Today, I want to encourage everyone that what if that was you were one of those people that you were there today and then the next day you weren't there? Do you have anything undone or unsaid in your life that you need to be busy about? Do you need to redirect your life in a way that if tomorrow is your last day that you can sit and say that I've done all that I know to do? That's what the benefit and the gift of cancer does to many people. It forces them to think about their mortality and it gives them an opportunity to possibly act differently and be different because it makes them authentic about how long they possibly will live. Today, this is the reason why I love cancer patients, and it's the reason why I serve them faithfully. It's because they are people who get forced to be authentic. The question is, who's going to show up and be authentic with them while mm -hmm. they're being authentic? Yeah. And yours truly is at the front of that line, Pastor P, uh, the cancer pastor who loves, supports, and enjoys being with people at their most vulnerable place because that's when you can get to see people for who they really are. And then you are challenged to be as authentic with them because that's what they need. 
and that's what they want. We're so thankful that you are who you are and called by God to do what you do. But we all have a place to play in this uh, cancer journey of our friends and family members. So mm. thank you for that. I know you have a final uh, word for us in just a moment, Percy, but I do want to bring attention to our free resource this week, How to Face Cancer with Boldness. Why don't you look that up at our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com. Download it, How to Face Cancer with Boldness. Mm-hmm. Well, you have been all these things to us here today, Percy. You have been... Uh, uh, you have been vulnerable and reflective and transparent and shown us love and helped us consider our mortality here today. So I want to thank you for that. You're welcome, my friend. It's a privilege and a pleasure. And so in closing, uh, let me say this, uh, and I meant every word and I continue to, to feel driven by those sentiments. Cancer is not a fun thing for anyone to have to go through or no. confront. And it will require a human being to be vulnerable, reflective, transparent, loving, and conscious of their mortality. Consider what kind of world it would be if every human being could intentionally live one's life with these virtues, top of mind. Not because of cancer, as you said, Wayne, but in spite of cancer. I love today and honor and value every cancer patient everywhere with my entire whole heart and my entire whole being. I was born for this day and hour and I I count it a privilege. I understand their fears and their anxieties and I will continue to dedicate my life working and inspiring, comforting and walking alongside this community as long as I have breath in my body. Salute to you, the cancer community. As one TV character once said on a famous show, live long and prosper. You are worth it. God bless. Brother, you are loved by me and by all of us. Thank you. Thank you. This is one of the most important conversations I think we've ever had on this Mm. podcast. And we've done hundreds of programs, haven't we? So thank you, brother. Thank you so much. Remember, live life authentically. And don't forget, we've got work to do, so let's keep chopping the wood. You know what the good news is? You can go back and listen to this whole thing all over again because it's right there online at Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Thanks for listening. Our host has been Reverend Percy McCray, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, part of City of Hope. I'm Wayne Shepherd. We'll see you next time for Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Health, Hope, and Inspiration is sponsored by and produced by Cancer Treatment Centers of America, part of City of Hope, a National Cancer Institute-designated comprehensive cancer center. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America, part of City of Hope, a National Cancer Institute-designated comprehensive cancer center. We treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, and Phoenix take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease while helping patients manage side effects and maintain their quality of life by using evidence-informed therapies like nutrition and naturopathic support, along with pastoral care, pain management, and other supportive care services. Treatments are tailored to each patient's specific need. 
Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use leading-edge technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com.